Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Yeah, we study here the word together. Okay, let's turn in Genesis 34 right into our study. So Genesis 34, verse 1, let's first of all pray. Father, thank you so much for your marvelous word. Lord, we can never, ever plumb the depths of your word. Lord, you've said you've exalted your word above your name. And so this morning, Lord, we come to your word uh, with that great measure of respect and and, uh, understanding of how vitally important it is for us. Teach us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now Genesis chapter 34, please follow along here as I read verse 1. And uh, Dinah, we'll call her Dinah, It's really Dinah, but that's all right. We'll call her Dinah. And Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. And his soul clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel and spake kindly unto the damsel. And Shechem spake unto his father Hamor, saying, Get me this damsel to wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were with his cattle in the field. And Jacob held his peace until they were come. Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out unto Jacob to commune with him. The sons of Jacob came out of the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved, and they were very wroth, because he had wrought folly in Israel, lying with Jacob's daughter, which thing ought not to be done. And Hamor communed with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longeth for your daughter, I pray you, give her him to wife. And make ye marriages with us, and give us your daughters unto us, and take our daughters unto you, and you shall dwell with us, and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade therein, and get you possessions therein. And Shechem said unto her father and to her brethren, Let me find grace in your sights, and what you shall say unto me I will give. Ask me never so much dowry and gift, and I will give according as ye shall say unto me. But... Give me the damsel to wife. Now, we come now to one of, really, this is one of the saddest histories in the life of Jacob. This is really sad. And for his family, which is the defilement of his daughter, Dinah. And as we come to verse one, what's really important to see here and to remind ourselves that, uh, is that there's no chapter divisions in this book. There's no chapter divisions in Genesis. The whole book was written as just one narrative. Chapter breaks were added to the Bible about 800 years ago, and they were just added for references, chapter breaks, and then you know, later or later than that, then the verses were marked out. So that means in order for us to get the feel for how this was written originally, we need to read the last part of chapter 33 along with the first part of chapter 34 
just to get the flow. And this is the way it reads when you put it that way. Jacob came unto Shalom, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came from Padanaram, pitched his tent before the city. He bought a parcel of a field where he spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. And he erected there an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. And Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when the Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. In other words, when Jacob has moved to the land of Canaan, where God had called him to, and Jacob's decided that his life is now gonna be God and God all the way. And he does what he didn't do in Sukkot. He puts up an altar to God the God of himself, the God of Israel. Now, we would expect that since Jacob has now submitted his life to God, and he's now walking with God, and he's now obeying God, that we would expect for him to just have clear sailing for the rest of his life. No troubles in life, just wonderful life, you know. But as soon as this happens, at the end of, of chapter 33, he erected there an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. We expect to have an end, we expect it to kind of like keep on going and say, and, and we'll have a, and Jacob lived happily ever after <laughs> for the rest of his life, right? But not at all, because then, right after he erects this altar, then Dinah, this history with Dinah, it comes into view here. See, as soon as he puts this altar up, we're told about the defilement of his daughter, and which then results in this horrible deceit mass murder, and robbery of his sons. I mean, what happened to the Jacob lived happily ever after part? Well, it's there so that we can understand that's what we can expect in our lives. When we put the Lord first in our lives, submitted ourselves to God, and are obeying God, tighten the helmet straps, right? Tighten the helmet straps because expect trouble. And that's why the end of chapter 33 and the start of chapter four is so telling to us He's walking with God. Jacob's walking with God. He's going, and he's going to go right through one of the greatest trials in his life, and it's going to hit him right where it hurts in the family, in his family. So let's see what happened. Okay, first, we're told in verse 1, Dinah is the daughter of Leah. So the spotlight now turns and focuses on Dinah, Jacob's daughter. Her name's Dinah, which means justice. Same root as Dan, you know what I mean, judge. We don't really know very much about her. We don't know about much about her, but and we're trying to figure out, you know, how old was she when this defilement happened? And we're not exactly told, but we can kind of figure it out that several clues we get here. And what this is all leading us to is she may have been as young as 12 years old. And it doesn't appear that she's any older than 16. So you could think maybe she's around 14 years old when this happens. Now, the word that Shechem uses to describe her, which is translated damsel, and that Hebrew word usually refers to a young girl before she reaches adolescence. So she may have been as young as 12 years old here. We don't know for sure, but she was young. And so Simeon and Levi now, they they come into the picture also, they're the second and the third sons born to Leah, born to Jacob, born to Leah. They're probably around 20 years old, just so we kind of know the ages here. No, She's identified specifically, Dinah is identified specifically in verse one as a daughter of Leah. That's important. That's important for us to know because 
the sons of Leah or her full brothers. In other words, same mother and father were Reuben and then Levi and then Simeon and then Judah. Now, we're told that Dinah here, that she goes out to see the daughters of the land. So one thing is very clear. She left home. She left her house. She left the property that Jacob had bought. And she ventured out because she wanted to see the daughters of the land. Now, we don't know why she did that. Maybe she needed, maybe she said, you know, I need some friends. You know, maybe she only had brothers. We don't know about any other daughters at this time. But, in, in, or, you know, or told many sisters in her home. Maybe she just wanted some girls for friends. We don't know. Maybe she was lonely. We don't know. Maybe she wanted to see, I wonder how they dress. I wonder how they act. You know, but we can just sort of, when we read in verse one, we just feel this curiosity inside of Dinah here when it says that Dinah went out to see the daughters of the land. This was a curiosity that ended up exposing her to danger. You know, it says in verse one, Dinah went out to see, and then it says in verse two that Dinah, you know, Dinah went out in verse one to see, and in verse two, Dinah was seen. We wonder about Dinah. Did she only have an interest to see, or did she want to be seen? We don't know. And maybe she had some dress, maybe she had some jewelry that she wanted to be seen wearing. Maybe she wanted to be admired. Maybe she found home that was just, you know, it's too dull at home. It's too boring in the house. I want a little excitement outside the house, outside this property here. But it says that in verse 1, that Dinah went out to see the daughters of the land. And, you know, she kind of like sort of, we think about a moth, you know, a moth that flies around a flame, you know, or a fish nibbling on a bait. Now, that's Dinah. Dinah had this curiosity about the world outside, and that was the curiosity that exposed her to danger. She caused her own fall by leaving her home. And when we read here that Dinah went out to see the daughters of the land, we wonder, you know, did she just go out, or did she, uh, did she just go out, or did she ask permission to go out? She asked Leah, her mother Leah, she asked her mother Leah, can I go out, or did she ask her father Jacob, can I go out? But one thing's for sure, Jacob is the head of that house. And so what we see here in Dinah going out there was a laxness on Jacob's part as far as keeping his family under control. We're going to see this a lot. You know, it just seems like Jacob has kind of like thrown his hands up and given up as far as taking control. As a matter of fact, this chapter is going to reveal to us how Jacob was not in authority over his house. But if Jacob knew that Dinah was wanting to go out to see the daughters of the land, Jacob should have said, no, no way. He knew about the practices of the ungodly uh, Canaanites, the people who lived in Canaan there. He knew that his grandmother, Sarah, had been taken into Pharaoh's harem just because she was pretty. Genesis 12, 15, the princes also of Pharaoh saw her, that would be Jacob's grandmother, and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he knew how God had rescued Sarah out of Pharaoh's harem in Genesis 12, 17. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. He knew that his grandmother, Sarah, was taken a second time into Abimelech's harem. As it says in Genesis 20, verse 2, Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. 
And Jacob knew how God, again, a second time, had rescued Sarah in Genesis 20, verse 3. Genesis 20, verse 3, God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said unto him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, she is the man's wife. He knew his father, his father Isaac. Jacob knew his father Isaac had endangered his very mother in this same way in potentially being taken into Abimelech's harem and when it says in Genesis 26, 7, Genesis 26, 7, the men of the place asked him of his wife. That would be Jacob's mother, and she was pretty also. And he said, she is my sister, for he feared to say she is my wife. Lest said he and the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. He knew the words of Abimelech when he spoke to his father about his mother, and Jacob knew what he said in Genesis 26.10. Abimelech said, what is this thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lion with thy wife, and thou shouldst brought guiltiness upon us. He knew the practice of those ungodly people in that land was to lightly have lion. Now, Jacob knew that for a man to take a woman and lie with her was no big deal. It was considered a light thing. It was a common everyday practice. Not at all like it is today, right? <laughs> when Jacob was in Sukkot, he was alone. But when he moved to the land of Canaan, he wasn't alone. Because it makes a very clear point, as we've seen in Genesis 33, 18. Jacob came to Shalom, the city of Shechem, which is the land of Canaan, which he came from Padanaram, and pitched his tent before the city. He was right in front of the city. He pitched his tent by the city. He knew the practice of the people was to see a pretty girl and lie with a pretty girl. It was not a big deal. Bimelech had called it a light thing. So Jacob should have been protective over the women of his house and never allowed Dinah to go out and see the daughters of the land. So the problem is with Jacob also in not protecting Dinah. The problem's also with Dinah for not being happy to be at home. And it's interesting that when Titus describes how young women should be. He gives a list, and there's two parts which are sisters to each other. They're right next to each other on the list. He says in Titus chapter two, verse three, Titus, Titus two, verse three, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So that Titus puts on that list, chaste and keepers at home, right next to each other, like sisters. Chaste means clean. Chaste means modest. Being morally or sexually clean and modest and a keeper of home go together. I mean, how many marriages have been wrecked when the wife leaves the home, even to go out to work and falls under the attention and admiration of another man at work? Well, for Dinah, this was just a little going out, just a little going out of the home, no big deal, just a little venture out of the home. It's just like what Proverbs talks about, letting out of water in Proverbs 17, 14. Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is as one letteth out water, Therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. Just a little going out to see the daughters of the land, like the letting out of water, but the letting out of water becomes a flood. It was probably not the first time that Dinah went out to see the daughters of the land. It was like a little fire described in James 3, 5. Just a little fire. Behold how great 
a matter, a little fire kindleth. But probably when she went out the first time to see the daughters of the land, nothing bad happened. So just encourage her. Well, go out more and more to see the daughters of the land. Maybe for Jacob, he knew it was dangerous for Dinah to go out to see the daughters of the land, but nothing happened, so maybe he just let it go. We don't know. But in verse 2, we have a new person now who's introduced for us here in verse 2, and it says, when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the country, he's identified as being a prince of the country. This is a man with power. This is a man who's the son of the ruler of the land. And with his position as prince, he feels he's got power. And now we read in verse 2 that Shechem saw her. And when it says that Shechem saw Dinah, it's the same word that's used in verse 1 when it says that Dinah went out to see the daughters of the land. So there's no mention in here that Shechem talked to Dinah or that he knew anything about her in this point, only that he saw her. See, Shechem's whole orientation towards Dinah is strictly based on what he saw. When it says that Shechem saw Dinah, and that's the same thing about when Rebecca would have been taken because she was fair to look upon. And same is said about Sarah. She was taken into Pharaoh's and also Abimelech because she was very, she, what they saw. And so we see Shechem is a perfect example of all that's in the world. All that's in the world, the sum total of what's in the world today is described in 1 John 2.16, 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Shechem sees Dinah, and that's the lust of his eyes. Shechem desires to lie with Dinah, and that's the lust of the flesh. Shechem sees Dinah as a personal challenge, and he, as the prince of the country, wants to conquer Dinah. That's the pride of life. And that's what we see in Shechem here as he looks at Dinah. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of his life. And that's all that's in the world. That's it. Nothing more. Just the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all described as not of the Father, but of the world. Now, when it says in verse 2 that Shechem saw Dinah, it says in verse 2 that Shechem saw Dinah, we ask the question, what did Shechem see when he saw Dinah? I know, maybe she was pretty, we don't know. So let's assume she's pretty. Okay, first he saw a young girl that was curious and willing to become adventurous, adventurous, willing to become adventurous to follow her curiosity. So Shechem saw Dinah's curiosity. That triggered lust in him. That triggered lust in him for her. Second, Shechem saw a girl who was not at home, but had ventured out of her home. That triggered lust in him. When Shechem saw that Dinah was not at home, Shechem saw that Dinah was not under the protection of her parents and her family. And so Shechem saw her as unprotected. That triggered lust. You know, sometimes I sit in the backyard there and, and I look up in the sky and it's, it's all clear. And then all of a sudden there'll be this red-tailed hawk just way up in the air, circling around, you know, in the sky, riding the air currents in the sky but his eyes are focused on the ground. And then a little rabbit family that lives, you know, in the bushes there. And so then a little rabbit, you know, will venture out from the bushes where his mother and family 
you know, are not out there, but he'll venture out on the lawn to eat some grass, uh, and the hawk will see that young rabbit, and like a bullet, the hawk will come down and grab that little rabbit. See, Shechem was the hawk. Dinah was the young rabbit. And Shechem saw young Dinah, and she was no longer in the protection of her home. That trigger that stirred up his lust. And maybe Dinah wanted to be seen. We don't know, but she has no idea that she's being seen lustfully. See, she has no idea that she has lit the fires of lust in Shechem. You know, young girls today, they wear low-cut blouses, they wear short skirts because they know it brings them attention from the guys. But they have no idea they're lighting fires of lust. And they have no idea they're provoking men. You know, girls want to be independent today and not live under the roof of their tyrannical parents, you know, and, and, and the authority of their parents. They have no idea when they move out, they're lighting the fires of lust and the hawks circling in the sky above them who are eyeing them. See, it wasn't enough for Dinah to only be aware of her own thoughts of wanting to see the daughters of the land. Dinah needed to be thinking of the thoughts of others who saw her lustfully. Girls today, they need to think of the thoughts of others who might see them lustfully by what they wear and where they go and how they're provoking lust in others. Now, if Shechem had gone to Jacob's tent and only saw Dinah at home, he never would have had all these lusts provoked to the point of wanting to lie with her. And if he fell in love with Dinah when she was at home, he, he wouldn't have fallen into this place of defiling her in any way he wouldn't have been able to. So without realizing it, Dinah's presence outside the home in Shechem's uh, turf, it gave encouragement to his ungodly lust to go after her. And so Dinah gave life to Shechem's evil hopes. And when girls, like I said, when they wear all these type of clothes and then seen by men, the uncontrolled lust, it breaks out in hope, evil hope. So when Shechem sees Dinah away from a home to see the daughters of the land, he sees an independent, free-spirited, maybe rebellious-spirited young girl, and he goes after her. So in Shechem, we see a man who was a slave to his own lusts, a man who saw himself in a powerful position as prince of the country who could get away with whatever he wanted to do. And in Dinah, we see a young girl who followed her heart. Very smart, Dinah, very smart. This was Dinah's march. This was Dinah's march to see. You know, Dinah, she came, she saw, she was conquered. So there's a great danger and curiosity in young people who've been raised in a Christian home, and they want to go see the world for themselves. And what better place to see the world than on a college campus, free from the overbearing domination of their parents? They're just curious. Dinah's just curious, that's all. Dinah was just curious to know the ways and the customs of the people that were so different from her, and that led her to her own ruin. And she should have not have wandered out. Yeah. And she should have respected the command to be separate from the idolatrous people and the habits, like it says about us in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. She should have realized 1 Corinthians, the principle of 1 Corinthians 15, 33, which is, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E. Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 